Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. A 12-team playoff. The format is set 5-7. Five uh, conference champions, five highest-ranked conference champions are in the four highest-ranked conference champions. will get a bye week. Then there are seven at-large teams, which will largely... We anticipate come from the SEC and the Big Ten. That's right. But uh, they will include the conference champion of the uh, the best and highest ranked group of six conference champions. We've got to get used to the new lingo. Power four, group of six. Power four. Yeah, I know it's weird. Man. With the loss of the Pac-12. Pac- is the Pac-12 becoming part of the group of six? Or? Yes. I, well, there's only two teams left. I was like, what is the Pac-12, though? Do we even know what it is? Why don't they just get rid of it? What are we doing there? They're, Why are they trying to keep that, it? It's in court. <laughs> it's in court. I mean, uh, I, mean I do think it's gonna, you're going to end up with Oregon State and Washington State rolling into the Mountain West. Yeah, and, put and, the Pac-12 out of its misery, man. It's done. Yeah. It's over. Yeah. Do it a favor. Uh, now, there's an argument to be made that they still own the brand, the Pac-12, so you could you move some Mountain West teams into a new forms mm. Pac-12. Now, you ain't going to get your power status, though, right? No, you're it's not. It's done. They're going to be group of six. Yeah, so. Regardless. Whatever you call it, it's group of six. Yeah, you just need to dissolve it. And, we and can it's still only keep two the... schools. I mean, it's, there's a yeah. name, but there's two schools. Yeah, we just dissolve it, and they should become part of one of the group of five. I believe that will happen at some yeah. point this year. Yeah. And so we'll be to uh, six non-power four conferences, four power four conferences. And uh, so one of those teams out of the group of six will make the playoff every year. So there will be the Cinderella story, a seat at the table for whoever is the uh, the highest-ranked non-group of four teams. Honestly, uh, those, the, the two remaining Pac-12 schools should have a shot, shouldn't they? To be the group of five representative, a group of six representative, whatever it is. Right? They should, theoretically. If, if, you can't have a conference of two people, two teams. No, no, no. I'm not saying a conference. I'm saying they'll have a shot because of competition, the level of competition. Oh, yeah. They're dropping down yeah, yeah. from power status to a group of whatever status. So the level of competition won't be as high as it was when they were a Pac-12 school. Theoretically, they should drop down and be able to compete. Yeah. And maybe be an advantage well. to be the best group yes, of 16. early on yeah. at least, while their roster is still considered a power roster. But that doesn't always translate. That's good. That, theoretically. Theoretically, yes. Exactly. Washington, I mean, Washington State's been a good team, and so yeah. has Oregon State. That's what I'm saying. That's like, a good point. Right? That's a good point. And you could argue that SMU, who rose, you know, bought their way into the ACC. Uh, would have had a better shot. Would have had a better shot if they stayed down <laughs> to be that group of, you know, six team at the yeah. top. Yeah. Uh, with with the recruiting base and what they are, but no, they want to be in the ACC, and it doesn't appear as we. This is not a surprise, but there's a development on the Florida State wants out of the ACC conversation, oh, which oh, we yeah. can get to coming up uh, here in a moment. And uh, but for Florida State to buy their way out of the ACC, they'd have to have a place to go, and it's not the SEC or the Big Ten. It's likely the Big Twelve. Why is it not you, the SEC or the Big Ten? Because they don't want them. Because they said they don't want them. Yeah, they. That's I what think, they say. They say that now. I, I don't think they want another mouth to feed. I think they're good at 16. I think they're good at the number they're at. I don't. I mean, yeah, Florida State brings some, but at the same time, we're good. We're good. We've got to share yeah, that Florida, revenue one more time. Florida State's not coming alone. They're bringing partners with them. And, and I, then that's, that'll make them more attractive we'll see. to the Big Ten we'll see. the SEC. They want, I, they want partners. I think, I think They'll bring North Carolina with them. They'll bring well, – If Carolina wants to come, I think they'd be interested. Exactly. They're but not coming alone, man. But I don't think Carolina – Clemson might want to come. Clemson. I, but I think if it's Clemson and Florida State, I think that would be Big 12. That would be my guess. Mm, I, I, think, I think if they bring North Carolina, I think it's going to be a foursome. And I think it's going to be Clemson, uh, Florida State, North Carolina. North, they're going to find a fourth partner, and that'll make them more attractive to a Big Ten or an SEC. We'll see. Well, yeah. My prediction would be two, and I think it's going to be Big 12. Mm. What about Duke? Big 12, well, Duke's, Duke's not leaving the ACC basketball. That's the other thing with North Carolina. I mean, the, the ACC basketball is so historic. I don't think – I know it's for football. Uh, ACC basketball has been down, though, the past few years. Well, it's still – you know, the, it's the history. But at the same time, I think it's those two because those are the two football only. Like, that's, that's all Florida State cares about. That's all Clemson cares about. Yep. Uh, and as we've said, right now the Big 12, even though they've survived and Brett Yormark – has, has kept the Big 12 with a seat at the table, even without Texas and Oklahoma, they don't have a blue blood. If you were they to add don't. Clemson and Florida State, you'd all immediately have two blue bloods. I know, but you don't offer the money that the SEC and the Big 10 offer. That's the whole point. They want Big 10 and SEC money, not Big 12 money. And that's well, a, everything I've a, been told is they, a huge they don't difference. want them. 
It's a, they don't want them by themselves, but as a force, like I said, you get Carol, North Carolina, and then you start getting more and more attractive to those schools. You got to bring more to the table if you want that Big Ten. As far as revenue. You, yes, you, they want Essentially, the if we're going to – So I'm not – right. You, you could be right that they don't want them. I'm talking about what Florida State and ACC teams coming out want. They yeah. don't want Big 12 money. They want Big Ten, SEC money. Right. Big difference. Uh, that's going to be the interesting conversation. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, that, that's ongoing, and uh, another round of it could be on its way. Let's get to the other headlines. We'll pick this other up on the other side. We've got uh, college football on the brain year-round here on Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. But first, the top stories. Top Gun Reynolds and Lonequin bring you the top news, and it starts at the dish. We're 16th-ranked Texas. The baseball team broke out their big bats last night, nearly set the program record for hits in a game in a 20-3 wipeout of Houston Christian. David Pierce's horns pounded out 24 knocks, one shy of the all-time number of 25. Ryland Galvan, the sophomore catcher, had a night, 4-5, four four had a double, a homer into the uh, Yeti yard. Three RBIs were scored three times. Jared Thomas continued his sizzling start from the top of the uh, order there, 3-5, for five, had a double. Peyton Powell, 2-4 with a double, homer drove in three. Texas now. 3-1 and one to start the year. They'll host Kyle Polly for three this weekend. Heck of a game in the midweek last night out in Fort Worth where fifth-ranked TCU held on for a 6-5 win over Texas State. Horned Frogs 4-0 now start the year. Texas State 3-1. and one. Texas State will be playing in that uh, event out at the Dell Diamond this weekend, that Carbock College Baseball Classic. Busy night on the college basketball hardwood as well. Best game was out in Lubbock. How about Pop Isaacs? 19 points, including an old-fashioned three-point play with 39 ticks to go. That pushed 23rd-ranked Texas Tech past TCU. 82-81. Baylor, meanwhile, the 11th-ranked team in the country, fell at 25th-ranked BYU, 78-71. So right now, Tech, Baylor, and Kansas are in a three-way tie for third place in the Big 12. All are three or eight and five. They're a game back of Iowa State and two back of first place Houston. Big upset outside the Big 12 last night. Top-ranked team in the land, UConn, took their 14-game win streak to Omaha, Nebraska, and got, got beat down. A Blue Jays buzzsaw, 15th-ranked Creighton. Drained 14 three-pointers en route to the impressive 85-66 victory. As we've been talking about this morning, a major development in college football came down early yesterday. College football playoff board of managers unanimously approved the new expanded 12-team format for 2024 and 25. Format will feature the five highest-ranked conference champions, seven at-large participants. And finally, two men have been charged with murder in last week's shooting that killed one person, injured 22 more uh, following Kansas City's uh, Super Bowl parade. Dominic Miller and Lindell Mays are charged with second-degree murder and other counts. According to Jackson County prosecutors, two men have been hospitalized since the shooting with undisclosed injuries. Horn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new beauty location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. Topgun.net. We'll shoot you straight. Uh, yes, so uh, the 5-7 new format for the college football playoff. I do think ultimately, though, um, this format will be it'll be so successful that the college football games now, those college football playoff games, I think they'll be among like the top 100 most watched television programs of the year. I said this usually as the NFL dominates that. College football has like two or three uh, programs represented in the top 100 most watched programs, I guarantee you now they double it. They double it with the college football playoff. You have six to eight games from the college football uh, realm and mostly probably playoff games um, that will crack the top 100 most watched programs. Well, because as we talked in, about the uh... – the marquee matchups and the buildup. The buildup and and all your stars. Well, now the way the format is, the conference championship Saturday is huge. I mean, that George Alabama game is it's for not just the a spot in the in the table; it's for a buy. Uh, so those games become even more important uh, when the Big Twelve, in the SEC championship, Big Ten championship, Big Twelve championship. Those games take on greater importance, which will bring bigger TV audience. Yep. No, totally agree. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm looking it up right now. The top 100 most watched TV broadcasts of 2023, and I'll have it. But it usually just it's usually just 80 percent NFL. Oh, across <laughs> uh, 80, all, all 80 being... to 90 percent NFL, and you have like two or three college football games on there. My prediction is, yeah, here it is. You uh, that you'll get. I'm trying to look for the college football games because it's all the State of the Union is usually on there. Uh, other than NFL, because I'm looking through it. Well, the State through. of the Union is on, like, every channel. State of the Union is usually <laughs> on there. Uh, Macy's Day Parade can get thrown on there or something like that every now and then. But it's, like I said, it's it's usually 80 to 90% NFL. Uh, and I, I, I my prediction is this will propel at least three or four more broadcasts from college that will end up cracking that top 100. Right? That's just my prediction. 
And I think that's, as I said, that's what they want. They want eyeballs, new entertainment ecosystem. Um, they want more games that matter. And yeah, of import. Of, right, of import. National import. It's not just regional. The, the, the real intriguing part early on in this in the first couple of years will be, you know, and you've talked about it, it'll grow beyond this potentially. Really, that'll depend on how competitive those first-round games are. Like, if the five seed is consistently blowing out the 12 seed or, you know, yeah. that's a one-sided contest. Agreed. It, it probably won't grow beyond that. But at the same time, you know, if the, those, those games are really good. And then there's some upsets where 11 beat six and 10 knocks off seven, which absolutely can happen in college football. <laughs> yeah, you could. Three college football games made the top 100 last season, last 20, 2023. It was uh, 93 <laughs> NFL games. So 93 NFL games and three college football games. I think college football doubles it. There you go. Yeah. They'll have six in the top 100. Honestly, you probably should have closer to 10. And maybe I'll say you'll triple it. Maybe I'll go as far as to say college football will triple the amount of college football games that make the top 100 most watched programs. And then that will even decrease the NFL's number because the NFL's at 93, 93%. Right. <laughs> of the 100 most viewed U.S. programs in 2023 were NFL games. Yeah. Only three for college. And that's where the revenue, obviously, is coming from. And ESPN's already agreed to pay $1.3 billion annually to uh, broadcast. Which I thought was cheap. Football, pretty, on the big picture. They were, they, I think they were projecting close to $2 billion, So they got it on the cheap. Yeah. I uh, got that deal done with, with uh, the college football playoff. But, look, a lot to like about it. I mean, I do, th- I do think it, it puts value on the conference championships, your conference season. To be a conference champion is a huge accomplishment. Um, a, if you're not in a Power Four conference, it gives you a chance to be the highest ranked group of six conference champion, which gets you in. Of course, the top four get a bye. So the conference championship is once again important. I know for a lot of people it didn't matter. We just want the best four teams. I don't care if you won the conference or not. They're saying winning your conference championship is important. Uh, yep. It is huge. It's an, it, it's, you're an achiever, and we give you special status if you win that conference. You, uh, you get a week off, and you don't have to play. You, you, you get a you, you, there's an extra game you don't have to play yep. uh, on your way to a possible championship. Uh, and then the other eight are playing, trying to play their way into an eight-team playoff is the way it plays out. But it, it leads to really good games. Um, you know, the, the, the group of six gets a place at the table. And to your point about uh, further expansion, we'll see. Um, because there, there is a, a – you know, we know there's been saber-rattling in the ACC. But how about this, Rod, that the uh, – in an on-three sports story out of Florida, uh, the ACC – has, has said we're willing to negotiate essentially with Florida State. Uh, there's a quote saying it's simply a commercial possibility in their mind as a conference that a school could buy back its granting of rights. So, oh, yeah. what? That's a thing? Yeah. Uh, the, so, so buy your way out. So if the ACC's legal team sees it, seems to invite – I mean, that quote, it's simply a commercial possibility, well, then that's, that's essentially inviting a team like Florida State to, to negotiate. So basically, how much? What, what's it, what are you willing to pay to get out? Yeah, no what? one to this point has admitted publicly that granting of rights could be bought out, even though everyone suspected it could be. The move, uh, uh, this moves the parties closer to brass tacks discussion of what that. Okay, what's the number? You know what? That makes sense because remember how arrogant Florida State was. They were like, no, no, there's a way out. Yeah. We got a way out. Trust me, it's, we'll, we'll find a way out of this. We want out. Remember, there there's a lot of their board of trustees members and a lot of the insiders was like, no, no, there's a way out. Maybe this is what they were referring to. That no, no, it's just a number. And if you can negotiate your, I don't know, wherever you're gonna land. I don't know, like you said, it could be Big Twelve, Big Ten, SEC, whatever it is. I guess you could always pay them based on your new um, revenue uh, deal with whatever new conference you're in. I mean, if you want to make more money, you can always just pay it over a time period with the amount of money you're going to be making in the new conference. Yeah. Because uh, you're yeah. not making enough in this conference. That's the whole point. Yes. Like they're, they're, not, they're not getting what they believe is their financial value in the open market. So I guess you could just pay it with your whatever the new revenue that you get, uh, the new revenue deal in the new conference. Yeah. Uh, and, again, they've got to find a place to land. But as you said, the more they could get, the more they could add. But that becomes a battle of lawyers and legal and price tags and all that, uh, the big wow. business of college football. But we'll see uh, where, that, where that goes in the ACC. I do – I have heard – I've been told the Big 12 would be open to it. You know, they want – want to be a, a three-multi-time you know, zone conference. They want yeah. to be East Coast, Central, and West, um, you know, to add some schools on the East Coast. Well, and then, you Florida know, State, now you've got a guaranteed spot in the Big 12, too. You come in there as a power. Yeah. You'd likely be in that championship game a lot. Yeah. Um, you know? Well, look, this is what – in the ACC, for the, for the finances of it, Florida State and Clemson are arguing, look, 
you know, we share this revenue from ESPN with everybody, but we're the two football powers. We're the ones bringing most of the television sets, kind of like Texas and Oklahoma in the Big 12. You know, we're driving 75, 80% of the value of that money, you know, and you could argue even in the Big 12. Just Florida State and Clemson would, would add a lot as far as value uh, to the football conference. And to your point that, you know, if you're Clemson or, or uh, Florida State, you know, we have a way to go win the Big 12 championship, and we've got one of the spots at the table. And we can make more revenue potentially. But, again, there's a lot of legalese there uh, because, you know, just like Texas is going to find out, joining the SEC makes it harder to get to the yes, fourth. I mean, it's a tougher conference. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, Big 10 is now a tougher conference. Is the, is the Big 12 a tougher conference than the ACC? Uh, See, that's the thing. I don't know if it is. It, I, I mean, maybe, maybe it's on par. I mean, maybe some years it is, some years it isn't, but not guaranteed to be no, a tougher I, conference. So, to your point, if you go there, and now I know they're they were arguing for like uneven revenue sharing in the in the ACC at times, which you know they're not going for. I don't know if they'll argue for that going into the Big Twelve, um, but at least they'll get more money. And I don't necessarily know know if it's a a level up in competition in the Big Twelve for Florida State and for Clemson. Yeah. For other schools, it might be, but for Clemson and Florida State, their rosters. Well, and the other problem for a team like Florida from Their Clemson, stats. even though Clemson is a football traditional power with Dabo Swinney, they don't bring television sets. They don't. Well, they don't move the yeah. revenue needle yeah. as far as that goes. And Dabo's anti NIL and anti transfer portal too. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been told Big Twelve would be interested. I don't know how much, as you said, with the Big Ten or the Big or the uh, SEC is, unless there's some bigger fish as far as media yeah. market. They got to be uh, a four. They got to come out as a foursome, and they got to get North Carolina. I mean, the want. four that would drive the, the needle potentially would be Clemson, Florida. State, Miami, and North Carolina. Boom. You had those four. Well, now we're talking. Nah, yeah, but yeah, you got to get all four. You got to get all four. Yeah. And I don't you need, the, I you need the Miami any, market. You I haven't need heard the, anything about Miami really yeah. and involved in that. Miami, North Carolina, there's been whispers that North Carolina would yeah. entertain it. The, the Charlotte market would be of, of interest to all, all conferences uh, as far as TV sets go. Uh, all right. So somebody said uh, who – this is a good question because everybody's trying to, trying to figure this thing out. Um, who picks – the seven at-large teams for the the committee does the college football playoff committee. Would, yeah. I mean they, they'll they'll put out the standings, you know, the, the, just like they do now for the four team. They'll put out the rankings, and so when you say the highest four ranked conference champions, that that will be determined by the conference champions and how they're ranked at the end of the year, and then the ranking will also determine the highest ranked non-power four team. And then the other seven will be picked by the committee and then seated from the SEC and the Big Ten mostly. 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 <laughs> Those will probably be their runner-ups, and you'll probably get, you know, one or two other Big Ten SEC. They'll probably get half. Half the teams will be Big Ten or SEC teams. Six to six to seven every year. Just And for our 8 o'clock audience, I've said it a couple times, but know. keep in mind here, for if you're a Notre Dame fan – Notre Dame's not in a conference, so by this this vote yesterday, unanimously, they're essentially telling Notre Dame the best you can do is five mm. in the seating. That's the best you can do. You can't be in the top four uh, because that's reserved for the top four ranked conference champions. Notre Dame's not a, you can't be a conference champion. So your best you can do is four, and you probably should get in a conference. The best you can do is five. That's as high as you can be seated. I mean, Notre Dame, look, look by the rules of this, Rod, Notre Dame could run the table, go 12-0, and 0 and one, win every game by double digits, and they couldn't do better than five. And they won't get a bye. And they won't get a bye. Yeah. They could legitimately, with Marcus Freeman, be the best team. But because they're not playing in a conference and they're going to reward conference champions, they're essentially telling Notre Dame, hey, Notre Dame, if you're serious about this, get in a conference. Yeah, no, you're right. Competing the conference. pressure on them. Is it because Notre Dame wants to keep their independent status? They want to be the outlier. We're Notre Dame. We're bigger than this. Yeah. Well, okay. Then you're number five. Is it is it worth it? That to me, I I think they're still. I think they still have incentive to remain independent. I don't know if that's enough pressure to put on Notre Dame. But you're right. Along that, along with some other you know moves and some other kind of changing, uh, kind of you know the new world order, if you will, kind of the changing landscape of college football, maybe. If the ACC does indeed, you know, have uh, realignment and you have some of the powers leave the ACC, maybe that puts enough pressure on Notre Dame because they don't have that. Right now they have a little bit of security because they have a relationship with the ACC, a tie to the ACC. The ACC is not as powerful um, and not as valuable as a conference. I wonder if that ends up putting more pressure on Notre Dame to join either the Big Ten they would never join the, AC, the SEC. No, be it would be the, the Big Ten. It would be the Big Ten, yeah. be the Big Ten. They just don't Which falls back into the other – if you consider Notre Dame kind of halfway in the ACC, which they are, 
yeah. in their other sports. You know, could that ACC conversation include Notre Dame? I mean, could it be Notre Dame, Florida State, Clemson, and North Carolina into the Big Ten? Now, see, that's what, there you go. See, that's, that's what I'm saying. That that's makes it sexier. The, then, yeah. it, then the Big Ten would go, well. Well, and it brings uh, Notre Dame, which brings the biggest, you know, the biggest yeah. fish. Yeah. Which, well, now the Big Ten's media rights go explode even beyond what they are. I, that's why I think there's there's strength in numbers for a Florida State. If you want to do this, you need to go get the other big brands to go with you because then all of you guys will be more attractive as a package, and then the SEC and the Big Ten will have to entertain, including you, because yeah. you would essentially you would shift the power balance. Yeah. <laughs> if you got North Carolina and Notre Dame on board and Miami on board, you would shift the power balance in college sports so the SEC and the Big Ten would have to react. You know what I mean? They were like, oh, you're going to the Big 12 now. We can't have that. We cannot. No, 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 no. We, didn't, we don't want the Big 12 to have that much power. No, no, no. We want to consolidate all and monopolize all the big brands in college football. So I think in Florida State, it would be in their best interest to not rush it to try to get those other powers on board with them. You're right. They get a Notre Dame on board. Honestly, they don't even need another power on board. They can get Notre Dame tied with them that, hey, man, maybe let's try to find a conference together. That would be check and mate. Yes. And they would be able to decide. They'd be able to pick what conference they want to go to if they get that kind of package together. 100%. So that's – and that won't be easy. But my point is get more brands. Go get North Carolina. Go get Miami. Try and do it by yourself. I agree. The only, the only landing spot you're going to have is the Big 12 if you're Florida State. That's not a bad landing spot. Um, but I think you could open it up to almost a bidding war <laughs> yeah. for a package deal. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll put it together how it would have looked last year, how it could look this year. As we said earlier, uh, Barrett Saleh from the you know, College Football Insider kind of put together his projection for this year and what the 5-7 format could look like. Oh, you know, if Georgia, let's say Georgia and Texas are preseason, you know, top four teams, they play, you know, they're, they're, by the way, there is this, Rod, that I hadn't thought about. There is a chance if, 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 you know, the way this plays out, Texas theoretically could play Georgia three times in a season, including this year. Regular season. They could play in the regular season, which they do, October 21st. Oh, yeah. Big, they could play in the SEC championship game and then conceivably could meet again yeah, in a 14 playoff. playoff. <laughs> or in a playoff, oh, which, which three, would be interesting. Three and that, times. Yeah, and that could be not just those two, but since they're on the schedule together, they could play three times. Yeah. Uh, so, and this is what Barrett Saleh has. He has Georgia winning the SEC and being the number one overall seed. Could play Michigan twice. Ohio State, <laughs> two out of the Big Ten, winning the Big Ten. Clemson out of the ACC. And he's got Oklahoma State winning the Big 12. That's okay. Uh, Got to pick somebody. <laughs> Gundy gonna... made it last year. Nobody thought he'd make it. Yeah. So, and that puts them in as a bye, right? So, Mike Gundy's in the playoff as a bye out of the Big 12. Yeah, you know Gundy can coach. Yeah. Coach his tail off. And then he has Texas 5 uh, as the highest seeded and highest ranked non-conference champion. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, essentially, Barrett's LA saying they go undefeated and maybe even beat Georgia at home but lose in the SEC championship so game. So they go 12 and 1. So they go 12 and 1 sitting at number 5. Oregon 6, that's kind of the same thing with them in Ohio State now in the Big 10. Notre Dame 7 is an at large. Yeah. For Marcus Freeman, Alabama as a maybe one or two lost team in the SEC that didn't even play for the championship, right? Uh, but still had a good enough year to to get to number 8. Mm-hmm. Utah out of the Big 12 now. Yeah. So that would be two Big 12 teams. So essentially he's saying Oklahoma State would beat Utah in the Big 12 championship game. And they'd both get in, Yeah, uh, the winner and the runner-up. Ole Miss from the uh, SEC who's going to be a preseason top five or 16 for most people. Michigan with a new head coach and a lot of new players. And Tulane would be Tulane. the uh, – but, see, that's Tulane sure. with – Cinderella story. That's the Cinderella. But, yeah. you know, Tulane, M- Willie Fritz now at Houston. Yeah, I know. That's going to change because Willie Fritz is a hell of a coach. Hell of a coach. But that's just for, for Brad, like, visually looking at it, how that would play out. And then, obviously, Texas would host Tulane – in a 5-7 home game in the middle of December. I'll take that path. That's a, that's, that's a nice opening round yeah. game. Yeah, I like that. So, well, that's how it'll be. And, of course, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, and Oklahoma State will be off not playing and then join a bye week uh, yeah. waiting. And, you know, it, it's true, Rod. You played in both college football and the NFL. There is you know, there's, it's conceivable Texas could play Georgia three times. You know, there could be a team that has to play 17 games. Oh, yeah. I mean, because yeah, I mean, <laughs> you, you, you don't have that bye. Yeah, um, and you end up going all the way to the championship. That's the goal. Yeah, hopefully, because the seventeen teams would, you would play into the conference championship game, likely lose the conference championship game. Yep. So, so you got to play the next time in, in two weeks. Yep. And then you're playing four games to a championship, which gets you to seventeen. That's a big number. It <laughs> is a big number, but uh, no, I, I I I love the new format. I think it's going to be really good. I think it'll get uh, it'll get great 
matchups. I think you'll get really good storylines uh, because I think you go, you are going to have kind of rematches in, mm-hmm. uh, that you haven't haven't been able to really have. And also, I think I said that that group of five or group of six, whatever it is now, um, that's going to be really interesting to see who that representative is year after year. So I think that's your variety. I think that's going to spice things up a little bit. I have no idea who it's going to end up being year after year because you have so many of those traditional mid-major powers that were trying to get up to the power level, and they are now your U of H's, your SMU's now. I remember like a TCU back in the day, those types of programs, you know, they have been able to ascend to power status. Um, You know, Boise State is one of those teams, I guess, that could dominate that level. I'm trying to think of who from the group of five level year after year has. Tulane was there most recently, but they just lost their head coach. Who has been that competitive um, and been able to penetrate like New Year's Six Bowls from that level? Memphis is another Memphis good, is a Mem- name to Memphis mention. Memphis is a good program. Well, look at a, and a coach like who's ever um, Memphis or Jeff Trailer at UTSA. UTSA ain't I mean, a they bad can recruit one. to this, right? Yeah, I mean, they can bad. recruit. UTSA's not bad, and that's that's where the transfer portal. I know it's gonna yeah. it's gonna take some top players into the blue bloods, but it also could take some blue blood players that are down on a depth chart, it could. like a quarterback that yeah. want to say, hey, you know what? I'm gonna go play for Jeff Trailer, and we could run the table, and we could be in the playoff, could. and we could build a hell of a team. And once we get in the playoff, you know, let's settle it on the field. I agree. And if you're like one of these four high four-star, five-star type quarterbacks that's behind a group, you know, mm-hmm. say recruited over you or whatever it is, and you roll into to UTSA and they've got good players around you and a good coach like Jeff Trailer, you're in that conversation. Yeah, you're right. That's why I say it's – I mean, it, it sounds farcical, but, you know, G.J. Kinney at Texas State could say that. Y'all, we win the Sun Belt. We bring in some great talent uh, from the bottom end of the Power Five groups. We can run this table and we can be there. Like, they we could. literally can. Uh, and that's – I know it sounds crazy, but it is, you know, under this this planet, it's, it is theoretically possible. Yeah. No, I like the Cinderella story. You still got, you know, an opportunity for an underdog to shock the world. Yeah. <laughs> I doubt it happens, but it, it, like I said, it leaves open the opportunity. And I think that's all about the storylines. It's still a television show. Well, and just like we see in March now, in March Madness, you know, just for a team like UTSA to get into the tournament. Oh. To have that game, oh, to man. play in that game, yeah. you know, like if they were the 12 seed and Texas was the five seed, and you got UTSA in Austin in a playoffs environment to, to shock the world, and uh, like like in March Madness, the bracket buster, uh, knock them off. That's exactly right. Uh, be pretty good. Uh, lesser scale, obviously, but with 12 teams, it's it's always possible. All right, we'll come back when we do. We'll go. Uh, we'll be at the turn. We'll be halfway through our Wednesday conversation. Uh, we'll get you a preview of what's coming up this week on the, in the golf side. Also, some other uh, conversations at At The Turn. Also, Rod's got us behind the BOC, and that would mean NFL draft chatter. Longhorns yes, are headed to the Combine next week, one week from tomorrow. We'll get you details of who could, uh, you know, really rise, raise their level when they get to Indianapolis in a week. We're talking about it next on Hook em Up with Ian Rodby. I'm all right. Nobody but about me. Why you got to give me a fight? Can't you just live? The Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. All right, need your help from the golfers here on At The Turn. That means we're halfway through our five-hour conversation this morning. That uh, nine holes in, nine to go. Rod Babers in the final hour, the fabulous fifth hour yesterday, found out for the first time something he did not know, that if you had a hole-in-one on a golf course, you're buying drinks for everybody. Just don't seem fair. So my people should be buying you drinks. I know. That I'm is the rule. I remember when I first heard it. Now, I do not have a hole-in-one to my record at 51 years old in a lot of rounds of golf. I mm. almost had a double eagle one time, but almost doesn't count. Ask Scotty Scheffler. No, it don't. Um, no, it Got no, to roll that into mm-hmm. the hole. Uh, so if you have had a hole-in-one and you have had the experience of buying drinks, Rod had a fair question. Do you buy drinks for your group? Or you, do you buy drinks for the whole? Somebody said you buy group for the, for the whole club membership. No, that that's, seems excessive. That's ridiculous. Come on, man. Those are like, give me a voucher. It's like 300, 400 people and members of a – More here. Don't you oh, yeah, no. I can't do that. I, I would just buy – if I hit a hole-in-one, everybody who witnessed it at the time that's around, the group in front, group behind, whatever, they all get it. They all get around. Uh, but if you I, didn't witness it, I'm not going to find you on another hole and going to give you well, typically, a free drink. No, not happening. An 18-hole golf round ends up at the 19th hole having some, some pops. There and, you go. Uh, you know, typically there you'll say, hey, I hit a hole in one. He hit a hole in one. Everyone gets a drink, and that would be on you. So I need your, your uh, you folks out there on our great uh, horn hook 'em up audience, uh, if you've had a hole in one or been a part of that, maybe you had a drink bought for you, what is 
your opinion of the protocol. Mm. What is uh, you know because you know, last week at Riviera it was who was it that hit the hole in one? Was it uh, Zalatora? Somebody did, and he and his caddy both won brand new Genesises. Genesis. Exactly, they <laughs> win something. You you achieved. You. But he did, he had to buy drinks for people. I oh, promise did he you. Really? Yeah, I uh, promise you. After. Well, he's a professional. He's got some bread. <laughs> he's got some money. Yeah. Well, typically, if you're at a country club, you got a little bit of bread, but not that much. Oh, no, buying for man. everybody. Sometimes, what if I'm faking it? All right? Still, you want me to buy drinks for that entire club? That's wild. We also had the story it's with Ty that man. his buddy claims to have a whole one, even though he had a mulligan. He he shanked his first one, then on his third shot, hit it in the hole and tries to claim a hole in one. That ain't. Nah, working. you can't do that. Not up in here. Nah, you can't do that. That ain't that ain't right. That's a par. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a, I'm that's a, that's I don't a play great golf. par. I'm, I don't even play golf, and I'll tell you now that's not the only one. Because typically, if you hit it in the water, you're you're making double bogey. You might get lucky, get up there, and make bogey, but you're typically going double. So to make par, oh man, after going in the water, that's a, that's it's a big. Con. It's impressive, but it, it's it not a hole in one. It ain't a hole in one. That's exactly right. You're damn right. Uh, all right, so this week it's a Wednesday, so we're over the hump. The uh, the PGA Tour is headed to Florida for the Florida swing, but first they're going to stop in Mexico down there in Puerto Vallarta, uh, Mexico this weekend for the uh, Mexico Open at Puerto Vallarta. They're going to have uh, how about the it's kind of a lesser field. They can, everybody kind of gets their deep breath. So look at this, Longhorns that'll play in this: Parker Cootie, Pearson Cootie, Doug Gim, uh, Kramer Hickok, and Jonathan Vegas will all be playing in this event. It's the last West Coast event before they move east for four events, and then they've got two events in Aus- in Texas. So you, so you got this in Mexico, Rod, then four events in Florida, then you've got two events in Texas, and then we're at the Masters in Augusta. That's kind of your next Ooh, month and a half. There you go. The big one. The big one uh, yeah. in early April. Yes, sir. Uh, and remember, it's going to be rough come March. No Dell match play this year. Not happening. Oh, man, I forget about that, Yeah, actually. no Dell match play this year. So if you've been used to getting out there and watching the best players in the world, that's not happening. That went away. It's, and it's not coming back. No. 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 Okay. The entire event, the whole match play concept may never come back. Oh, they're done with the concept, period. Like, they, So match play is not anywhere that they'll – No, it was such play? a okay. unique thing, and to it's Austin? really cool. Was this... No, but and that's why it's kind of moved around over its time. Okay. And, and we talk about the media ecosystem, Rod. Quite honestly, it's just not a great TV show because you get to Sunday and it's two guys. Yeah. Or four guys out on a golf course. Yeah. And so it's Good point. it's it, it, it's so unique, but at the same time, when it, when mm-hmm. when Sunday and you want leaderboards and you want a bunch of galleries and people and guys charging it up, making Doesn't runs, give you enough content. No, it's just two people and they're playing match play. I love playing match play golf. I love watching match play golf in the Ryder Cup. But at the same time, uh, that was always an uphill battle with TV, even though it did very well here. Um, and that wasn't the only reason it moved on, oh, but it was yeah. a big people, part of it. And loved it. And the the membership at ACC was pretty much done with it. And they're like, yeah, we're kind of done with this. Oh, Shutting our golf course down. Yeah, they're like, hey, man, we won't access our golf course all year round. We don't give a damn. Yeah. It's our course. I love it. Hey, they pay, they pay enough. They pay enough. I'm sure they pay <laughs> for that membership. Oh, yeah, they pay enough for it. So that will yeah. not be coming back. And actually, Houston ta- Houston's going to end up taking its spot uh, on the calendar, which, uh, you know, Drayton McLean's been a big part of that. All right, that's at the turn. Give us your thoughts on those hole-in-ones and the protocol. Uh, it's brought to you by Callahan's General Store, keeping your yard golf course condition year-round with the great people and the products at Callahan's General Store at the turn. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At the Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, welcome back. Let's talk to about some Texas football here while we go behind the burnt orange curtain. A lot of buzz, a lot of excitement about the 11 guys headed to the NFL Combine, as well as should be. Longhorns haven't had representation this heavy at the NFL Combine in a really, really long time. Um, and they're expected to have at least eight guys drafted. And the more and more uh, 
deeper and deeper we get into the scouting season, the silly season. Um, I think the more and more that these uh, Longhorns have to gain in terms of increasing and improving their overall draft stock. Uh, we'll talk more about that in terms of uh, how they're going to do that at the NFL Combine. Um, but Matt Miller, who is a great NFL draft evaluator for ESPN, um, want, I mean, started out working, I think, for Bleacher Report and has now uh, really, really kind of ascended. And he is on a kind of a meteoric uh, rise in this industry. He was doing a media availability, kind of a media call, not talking about Texas football, even though he's a Texas football fan, just talking about the draft, the NFL, um, prospects coming out. But, of course, one of the questions asked, I believe our man Jeff Jones of KVU, shout out to him, um, was about Texas football and the 11 players coming out in, at the NFL Combine. And he was asked by Jeff what Longhorn or what Longhorn players uh, can improve their draft stock to most. Who's got the most to gain by this entire uh, scouting process? Here's what Matt Miller had to say. Over the past few months in the mock drafts. So I was going to say Byron Murphy has the most to gain because I, I think a lot of people aren't aware of him. Uh, just because we didn't see him in a in a All Star game, he wasn't your Shrine or Senior Bowl. And what Texas asked him to do, as you know, you know, he played head up on the offensive tackle in a three three five defense. So he was not asked to just pin his ears back and go rush the quarterback, which is what he actually does very well. You know, he's not the biggest guy, six one. We'll see. He's probably between 300, 310 pounds. But his quickness and his raw strength are just jaw droppingly good. And so. For me personally, as someone who, as you called me out of my helmet, uh, I, I watch every Texas game, obviously. Um, I was a little surprised when he declared because I hadn't at least heard a lot of buzz. So for some of these guys, when they declare, it's like, okay, now I need to watch him. And as soon as I started watching him closely, it was like, okay, he's going to be in my top 40. You watch more and, no, wait, he's going to be in my top 30. And then it's, wait, I think he's going to be in the top 20. And uh, sure enough, now I think he's in my top 15. So I, I think some of that is just getting caught up. You know, we watch so many games throughout the year, but you're not always focused on individual players. You know, you're trying to take like a holistic view almost. And obviously like watch the quarterbacks because those are the guys we're going to get asked about a lot. You want to watch the Marvin Harrisons and the Joe Alts guys we know are going to be, you know, probably top 10 picks, but you know, January, February is when you really start to hone in on individual players and, and Murphy has, has shot up tremendously um, because of that. I'll, I'll throw one more name out there. I, Xavier Worthy. I, I don't know if it's, you know, just because of how much Texas football I've watched, I feel like he's being slept on a little bit nationally when I see mock drafts or rankings from colleagues. I'm always a little surprised at how low he's ranked. I think he has a great opportunity next week to, uh, to come in and show, you know, number one, just how fast he is. He's going he's gonna to burn up the track with that vertical speed. But I think also to answer questions, a lot of people have labeled him as, so he has drop issues because of the 2022 tape. A lot of the drop issues really went away in 2023. I think he, he and Ewers just got on better chemistry, better understanding of how, how the ball is coming in. So I think Worthy has a, a huge opportunity to put himself into the first round next week. Yeah, he's not the only one that really likes Xavier Worthy. And it's, it's, it's interesting because Xavier Worthy hadn't gotten a lot of first-round love in the mocks that I've looked at and in the uh, breakdowns that I've heard about Texas wide receivers, A.D. Mitchell gets most of the first-round love, and I think A.D. Mitchell will be drafted in the first round if he runs a fast 40, fast meaning anywhere in the 4-4s, high 4-4 or a mid 4-4. But Xavier Worthy, I, I remember Mel Kuyper on NFL Live when he was asked about how deep the wide receiver draft was and what wide receivers are the most underrated in this uh, upcoming draft class, and he said the Texas receivers. And he remarked that Xavier Worthy was really underrated, and he liked A.D. Mitchell a lot. So, you know, there are a lot of uh, buzz about the Texas wide receivers. Uh, Matt Miller has Xavier Worthy going in the first round. Uh, Byron Murphy is the first D lineman he's got taken overall. So he's got two Longhorns taking the first round, Byron Murphy and Xavier Worthy. He's got A.D. Mitchell going in the second round, actually, to Tennessee at 37. Um, he's got Jonathan Brooks as the first running back off the board. Also in the second round, he's got JT Sanders going to Cincinnati to team up with Joe Burrow uh, at number uh, 49. So he's, I mean, he's he's really high on Byron Murphy. He's not the only one. I mean, Byron Murphy, depending on what draft scout or draft analyst uh, you're looking at, I mean, Dane Brugler, who does really good work, um, you know, he actually tweeted out uh, that Byron Murphy uh, appears in the top 20 of most of his mock drafts that he's done. 
Um, he also said that, that this is about Byron Murphy. He said Byron Murphy went number 16 overall in his latest mock, and he thinks he'll be somewhere in the mid-first range. No D-tackle was more consistently disruptive on film this season versus both the pass and the run than uh, Murphy. He loved his quickness. Remember yesterday, we read the Jim Nagy, the Jim Nagy uh, tweet. He had a thread about Tavondre Sweat saying Tavondre Sweat shouldn't drop out of the first round because of the value of a unique skill set, a combination of that kind of size and that kind of speed. So now you have Xavier Worthy getting first-round buzz. Um, we've talked about A.D. Mitchell getting a lot of first-round buzz, depending on if he can show that straightaway speed. Byron Murphy, without a doubt, will be drafted in the first round. Tavondre Sweat now getting some first-round love in there too. So you're getting – Four guys that are now starting to get first-round buzz. This is even before the combine, and the belief is that all these guys are going to test well. We just heard Matt Miller say that Xavier Worthy is going to test really well because he's going to run a fast, uh, fast forty time. We just heard um, them talk about Byron Murphy, and he's going to test really well. I think Devondre Sweat will come in lighter and test really well. I think A.D. Mitchell, all he's got to do is run a fast 40. I think he'll run a really fast 40, so I think he'll improve his draft stock. Those are all guys who are right now – in the first round or borderline guys second who could end up increasing that draft stock to be first round picks guys Texas hadn't had three first round picks since 1980 um and they have right now it looks like they're gonna have two they or could have two maybe even three if Xavier Worthy and Tavondre Sweat can increase their draft stock. Uh, that would be a hell of an accomplishment for Texas football. It's been a long time since they've had departures that are that talented where you're going to have five guys in the top 50 potentially, uh, three guys in the first round. That is that's – pre, that, that's premium uh, picks for every NFL team out there, and the Longhorns will be well represented. So. Uh, it's, it's, it's gonna, right now it's trending toward being potentially a record-setting draft for Texas yeah. in a lot of different ways. Yeah, eight days from now is when they'll hit the combine. And, yes, I mean, the ability to, to raise your stock. I loved what um, Matt, uh, Matt Miller said. I mean, it, I, I thought he took you right through it. I mean, Byron Murphy, a lot of people were surprised he wasn't coming out. Uh, and then you turn on the tape and you're like, damn, this guy's really good. Maybe overshadowed yep. by Tavondre Sweat as the year went on. But, man, he wasn't even being asked to do his strength, which you were going to ask him to do. And, you know, people have asked a lot about, Rod, about uh, the difference between Devondre Sweat and Byron Murphy. Yeah. Right now, everyone knows Byron Murphy's a three-down player. Uh, Byron Murphy can play three downs and rush the passer on third downs and and be on the field. Devondre Sweat hasn't proven that yet. He's really a two-down player. That's the belief. That's the belief. But yeah. can he change that? It becomes the question. Yeah, I think he will. Um, I think the belief is that now he's a he's just a elite run stuffer. Um, but if you look at it, he if you just look at pass rushing um, grades from the interior defensive line, the best pass rushing interior defensive lineman uh, in college football last season was Byron Murphy. <laughs> I mean, Byron Murphy was just that legit. He was 19 percent. Actually, had close to a 20% win rate <laughs> when he was uh, going up against an offensive line in terms of pass rush win rate. Uh, that was top uh, among interior uh, defensive linemen. He had the best pass rushing uh, grade among interior defensive linemen. But Tavondre Sweat was just sixth in terms of his pass rush win rate. He was sixth, and his pass rushing grade was also sixth. So Tavondre Sweat was your best run stuffing interior defensive lineman in the country but the sixth best pass rushing interior defensive lineman in the country. Byron Murphy was your best interior pass rushing defensive lineman in the country. Um, but among the run stuffing, I believe he was also top five. So these guys, I mean, they're, they're both elite prospects at interior D line. Byron Murphy's going to play a three technique most likely because he's a little undersized. So he'll play that three technique. Um, and Tavondre Sweat projects to be an actual nose tackle, going to line up over the center a lot of the times and be able to clog up multiple gaps just because of his sheer size being 6'4", 360. But a lot of value for both of those guys. But Byron Murphy, without a doubt, he's going to end up being a, a first-round pick. But um, right now, the way it's trending, um, with and I'll keep giving you guys all the draft reports that we get, I mean, it's trending towards the Longhorns having multiple first-round picks. Um, can they get three? That's the question. Byron Murphy is definitely going to be one. AD or Xavier Worthy is going to be one. Can Tavondre Sweat be the third? If that's the case, they're going to make history. Last time they did that, you know, I was being born. It was, I was probably before I was born because of the draft. But still, that's a long, long time ago. So uh, that is the hope for Texas. So a, re- a really optimistic view of the Longhorns coming up in the upcoming draft. 
All right, here they are. We ask you, Shower. She's great stuff there, Rod. Good stuff as a Longhorns. And, and yet three in the first round, maybe four, maybe for sure five in the top 50 is what the Longhorns have, are trending yep. towards right now. I agree with that. Maybe in the top 45, 40. Hey, these guys had a hole-in-one Avery Ranch, hole six, back in last July. Three of my buddies in the cart. Uh, three of my buddies. Cart girl found out that I had to, and I had to buy everyone on the course a drink when I stopped at the turn. Bought everyone at the clubhouse a drink when I was done. Had a $1,100 bill. Ooh. Can I write that off or something? Like, what? I don't know. Whoa, man. Is that a char- charitable donation? Something. Dang. So what, the, what was the pressure like that you have to do? Could you have declined it? Uh, or would you have just been, everybody been like, you're, you're an a-hole. You're... Yeah, you're kind of ostracized. Really? Yeah, right? Because yeah, that's yeah. your club. That's your club, So brother. you don't want to be like excommunicated your... and, and treated oh, like an outsider. Yeah. Oh, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't like that. Somebody said you're playing group only. But, yes, you can do that until, the, a... until the car girl finds out about it. So when the card girl finds out, does she spread the word that you didn't want to pay, buy a drink for everybody? Like, is she the one? Like, is she going to ask you in front of everybody? Well, I have seen this happen before here at is this that, club. Is that pressure? Like, is she asking you in front of strangers? Like, all right, do you want to buy all the members a drink? Like, do you? Well, or is, she, co- is, is it a private thing that I can decline it with You discretion? probably could. Okay. But the because uh, you're pretty excited, so you're like adrenaline's pumping. Yeah. And so then the cart girl meets everybody on the course. So Ooh. she she's like, hey, you, you got a free drink coming? Guy hit a hole in one over oh, there. Oh, <laughs> I don't like that. No, cart girl, please. I will tip you very well. Don't be spreading the word about it. Nope. I want to keep that just between my crew. It says, with a hole-in-one, you buy drinks for everyone in the 19th hole after your round. We actually got a couple texts from disc golfers. After your round, damn. Yeah. Wow. So every oh. – It almost yeah. dissuades you from hitting the hole-in-one. That's why I've never hit one, Rod. Man, <laughs> I, I might dispute my own hole-in-one. Like, nah, that was a, that was a mulligan. That had, had a mulligan, guys. No, it's not a hole-in-one. Don't worry about that. That's wild. Yeah, man. See, I don't Welcome like that go. tradition. I'm not a fan of that one. That's hey, a, we come back. not a fan. We will pick up the conversations. A little off the record, including uh, – uh-oh. The Queen Bee has done it Uh-oh. again. Beyonce, Rod, uh, doing Uh-oh. it again, Who's, doing it strong. Hook. she upset this time? No, no, not upset. Not okay. upset. Hook him up with Ian Robbie coming back. D.D. Mega Doo-Doo. I'm sorry. Mangoo-Doo. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Deli Cat Essen. Well, well I don't get a break the egg comb. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in, the, good sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. All right, Rod, this uh, from our buddy uh, Craig Castleberry, who helped name the show, hook him up with Ian Rodby. He said, hey. I, he said, boys, I had my second career ace at UT Golf Club back in January, won 1,000 large. There you go. See? That's how it should be. You pay for them drinks right there. Give me them drinks. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of shout-outs, Rod, and off the record. Shout-out to uh, former Longhorn and Kansas City Chief Alex Okafor. Oak. How about Oakman? This is awesome. The guy's running for the Pflugerville ISD School Board. Oak is? Yeah. Man, good for Oak. That's wild. It says, uh, and this text says, love to see this type of community activism, support to help others thrive, especially coming back to serve where he grew up. That's awesome because I. Uh, that is really cool. People I didn't know, know my that. wife works in the school district uh, over there in Dripping Springs. And school board is, is it's not a sexy position. <laughs> no, and you, I, you putting it, you're working. You're working. Yeah, that's not uh, a glamour position where you're just doing it for the title and the prestige. No, you're, you're going to work. Do you get paid and, for that? No. You want to work, man? No, you don't get paid for that. Does he have yeah, kids in the school system? Yes, I think he does. Yeah, yeah. He so ob- yeah, he obviously cares. And Oak's a great guy. We work with him on the third and Longhorn shots, and Nick Shuley and the crew. But Alex Oakford is a great guy. Yeah, he really he, is. his tweet said, "This has been sitting in my heart for a while now. Finally pulled the trigger and submitted my name on the ballot. I've spent the last decade building opportunities for students and advocating for my community. Man. I'm ready to take the next this step and guy. lead from a place in office. And that's wow. I mean, it, that's it's one thing to complain about things, but to actually to get, get roll up your sleeves and go try to help and be that's a part of the solution. Yep, I think that's pretty awesome. No, he is. He's a he's a great guy, and that just once again another example of it. Uh, shout out to Oak, man. Dad, doing the uh, doing the hard work. We always give a shout out to those who serve each and every morning on <laughs> yep, this show. Yep, that's my man in service. Yeah, that's what he is. Servant leadership, folks, the best kind. 
<laughs> you want to be a leader? Go out there and serve the community. Go out there and serve your fellow Sit man. Sit on a school board. I mean, it, we talk about oh. everybody complains about the government in Washington, but man, the more you can do in your local arenas. That's where it really matters. That's where, it, especially for your children, your kids, your neighborhood, you yeah. know, get involved with the neighborhood associations and those kind of things. Uh, that, that can have impact for sure. Oh, more people is, are doing that. that is a, that's a great story. That's fantastic. I, mean, I can't wait to talk to Oak uh, this week. Okay, um, oh man, did, did we, I don't know if we talked about this or not. But the ratings came in for the NBA All-Star uh, game. It drew 5.5 million, um, which is the second lowest um, average audience for an All-Star game ever. Uh, up 14%, though, from the record low viewership a year ago. So you had the lowest rated or the, the, uh, the smallest average audience a year ago for the All-Star game. This All-Star game has the second uh, lowest average audience, five and a half, the second lowest figure on record, well, trailing only 2023. And, yeah. it, and this is why Adam Silver was so frustrated. I mean, you're trying to – it was up, but not it was up. up from the lowest ever. Uh, so the tallest tallest little person kind of thing. <laughs> the hottest chicken Dearborn. Well, and this is what they're <laughs> struggling with. I mean, uh, as I said, in, you know, the numbers would tell you that the, the NBA's lost 80% of its audience from the 90s. I mean, that's 30 years ago, but, you I mean – you're you're way down uh, from what you used to be, and uh, it was. There's no. That's why it's being talked about being canceled uh, as far as the the game itself. But there is, there it, is it's symptomatic of a bigger issue in the NBA, I think, as far as players and the entitlement that they're they're not seeing the bigger picture. I don't think um, it's all about dollars and for them, but at the same time, you got to get a, respect your audience, and if you don't have audience, you don't have. Those big contracts go away eventually. Uh, it's, it's down the line. But uh, all those big TV deals have been built on the backs of previous generations You're of right. players. Yeah, and, and building uh, building that found base up over yeah. the years. That some Obviously, a lot of those guys were abandoning uh, the NBA. How about this? So Bradley Cooper was talking about how he had a – basically he was at – Jay-Z's house for a meeting about a film. He did A Star is Born. Yeah, yeah. And apparently they were meeting about something about the film, so I guess Jay-Z was helping to work on it as a producer or something like that. Um, and he tells an interesting story about Jay-Z. We'll tell the whole story, but I got it from Complex. So apparently he confirmed that Jay-Z is a fan of Judge Judy. Nice. He said, I went to Beyonce. This is Bradley Cooper. He said, I went to Beyonce's house, and Jay-Z was watching Judge Judy. I still remember. I'm not kidding. And I was freaking out. He said. Jay-Z and Jim Harbaugh. He said she was incredible. Uh, he, he talked about Beyonce. And so was he. And we developed, uh, basically, he said they developed this project for like a year. They were talking about working on The Star is Born. And he said I wanted, she's one of the greatest people. But he went on to say, yeah, turns out that Jay-Z's a big fan of Judge Judy. Just sits down and watch, the billionaire just watches Judge Judy all the time hanging out. Who knew? She's a billionaire, too, or millionaire, yeah. heavy millionaire. Um, he, he did say that basically she was set to play a, a role in the film, Beyonce yeah. was, but it didn't work out. Beyonce? Yeah, he said in October 2012, Variety reported that Bay was set to play the lead, Esther Blodgett, but had to drop out of the project due to her pregnancy. Went to Lady Gaga. Yeah. She did a good job. And Clint Eastwood was at the helm of A Star is Born and had approached Cooper to play the lead. Eastwood later exited his role, producer and director, roles that Cooper later re- assumed. By the That's way, crazy. A lot of turnover in this film. And then they picked up Lady Gaga. Speaking of Beyonce. Yeah. Becomes the first black female artist to debut at number one on the Billboard Hot Country chart with her new song, Texas Hold'em. I don't like it. It's not a good song. <laughs> but you don't like it's. It's. A, I, I, it's yeah, I, don't, I, I guess don't the country like audience I, likes it. I, yeah, I don't like it. We'll, we'll like it song. or spike it coming back. Hook spike em up. Spike it. <laughs> spike it with Ian Rodby.